0: good evening, everybody. my name is Joe Vecchio, your co-host, announcer, and producer coming to you from KFMB Studios with 50,000 watts of power. We're heard not just in San Diego County, but Orange County, L.A. County, up the coast of Seattle on a good night, down to Cabo, out to the desert. If you download the app for 760 KFMB, you can hear us uh, stream there, and also at IYMoney.com. All the podcasts are there, commercial-free. Time not introduce the main man of the hour. He's a CPA extraordinaire. He's a best-selling author. He's an accomplished marathon runner, a philanthropist, and also a family Office expert advise, advising several high net worth families. His name is Richard Musio. Richard, good evening. How are you tonight?
1: Doing great, Joe. As always, <laughs> enjoying daylight savings time even more and more because every every week it's another few minutes later before the sun goes down.
0: Outstanding, and baseball right around the corner. Baseball so season about to kick off. Can't on. get better than that. But anyway, I want to get right to it tonight because we have our he's in New York right now. But uh, just to give you a little background. I'd have to say about 10, 11 years ago, I was at the San Diego Film Festival, and on a Friday night at 5 o'clock, they were going to be showing this film called The Wrecking Crew. I said, i got to get down there to see it because it's all about the great music of the 60s. And um, so I fought through traffic and wanted to make sure that I was there. And, boy, it was really terrific. And uh, for a lot of reasons, it took a long time for this to get released, but uh, it premiered in L.A., uh, last week, it premieres, uh, it's actually, by the, when the show airs this weekend, it'll have premiered at the Ken on uh, the 20th of March. And uh, we have on the line from New York, the filmmaker and director, Denny Tedesco. Denny, how are you tonight?
2: I'm doing very well.
0: That is fantastic. Boy, what an odyssey. This has been about an 18, 20-year uh, 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 project for you, hasn't it?
2: Yeah, I started in 1996. <laughs> and uh, It's so funny talking to you. It's so weird because I'm talking to you from New York, but I live in Los Angeles and you're in San Diego. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like a jet setter all of a sudden. <laughs>
0: Well, I know you flew there today, so it's amazing that to get you on the line. What brought you to New York? Are you are you going to be doing one of the shows there? Or yeah, just some-
2: I'm doing some of the radio shows and uh, TV spots. I'm. I'm like I'm just like blown away by all this.
0: Oh my, well, it's going kind to of build and build. I'm telling you, I saw something in Forbes magazine about this. I sent it to you as a matter of fact. Yeah. So um no, you've got you're sitting on a, a a gold mine. I mean, the film is about what? 2 hours or an hour and a half or yeah, it's hour
2: 101 40. minutes.
0: 101. But how yeah. many how many total hours of footage do you have?
2: Oh god. <laughs> oh, do you want to know? You gotta think. Hundreds of hours.
0: Really? Because I think what you also have uh, that you're sitting on is uh, a ton of great bonus material that you can't. You obviously you can't put a hundred hours into a two a two hour film. So
2: no, no, that and that's one of the things that you know um, is. As lucky as the musicians were that I filmed, they always say they were at the right place at the right time. I, uh, I say the same thing for myself. I was in the right place at the right time to film these guys.
0: But you had the skill and the gumption and the guts and the determination to see it through because a lot of other people probably would have given
2: up at some point, right? Yeah, if they, so. if they had common sense, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: hey, hey, Danny, Danny how, Danny, I how old walked are you? away years ago. Yeah. How, how old are you? Were you around in the 60s? Of course I thought, but how old yeah. are you? What's that? Oh. Approximately. How old are you?
2: I'm uh, 54 as of uh, three days ago. Wow. Okay. Ha-
1: happy birthday. What a happy great birthday. weekend you had. Yeah, uh, it
2: was a phenomenal weekend. So it you, was like- you grew up
1: in the 60s
2: yeah,
0: and so, 70s. So, so Richard, okay. the movie premiered at the New Art Theater. Denny was there for mo- many of the shows to do Q&A, and it happened on your birthday. Huh? Which which yeah. was your birthday? Was it Saturday Sunday? Well, my
1: birthday
2: is on the 11th. On the which? So that's where we are.
0: On uh, your on the which day I'm, I cut kinda...
2: I, I was born on March 11th.
0: March 11th. Okay, wonderful. Well, let me tell us a little bit about. No, we'll, we'll start with, um, I guess, your dad's life first, and then, and then you, and then, uh, and then we'll get into your life, or should we do it the other way around? I guess you were. So you're 54, born wh- where up in L.A. or?
2: Yeah, born in born in the San Fernando Valley. Uh huh. Dad was a, a session musician, right? A studio musician, and. Uh, and they were, you know, when he he was working in the '60s, he was part of a a group that later became known as the Wrecking Crew. Right. And they were supposedly these session players that were doing the rock and roll stuff, where the older guys didn't want to do the rock and roll stuff.
0: Gotcha. But now you went to you, so you're born in the Valley, went to high school in there. Uh, in, yep. And and the and uh, college up there too, or. Um...
2: Yeah, I went to uh, Notre Dame High School, and okay. uh, you know, I was, you know. All br- all boys, you mm-hmm. know the seventies. Uh-huh. It was very torturous, <laughs> and then uh, then moved on to uh, Loyola Marymount, where I went into filmmaking. You know, I wanted to write. Well, that's and, what I was going to uh,
0: get you, because obviously you had the you had the skills to do this. You know, you can't uh, you can't take up a project like this if you have no no filmmaking skills. So that was fork- yeah, I mean,
2: fortunate. you know, the biggest part of uh, any any project is knowing the right people. Mm-hmm. Meaning, like.
3: If you surround yourself
2: with a great cameraman, a great editor, and a great sound. You know, what I mean, if you surround yourself with your friends that can help you, mm-hmm. you know, soon you're going to get it right.
0: Yeah, well, it's Hopefully. all about the team you you put together. With any venture, I would have to say, if you get the great the the great team uh, from the get go, uh, your chances are much better of producing yeah. something. Uh, uh, substantial, which you obviously have done here, so, but anyway, so um, you started, you probably started just interviewing your dad with no great intention of making a, a long, a 20-year project. No, around. no, I mean,
2: mine was, my when I started filming, I mean, dad was basically diagnosed with terminal cancer in 96. Smoker? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it's funny, because he, you know, everything, picture you'll probably see in this film
3: mm-hmm. you know
2: the the guys their stills always had a cigarette in his hand yeah. absolutely always smoked three yeah. packs a day when you're a Whew, guitar three? player yeah. and you have a bad reputation of smoking cigarettes that's when you know you got a bad <laughs> you, you got a bad reputation <laughs> but well, he I- quit you know it it got you know he quit 15 years before and you know at at 96 he quit in 1980 and Sure enough, it came back to haunt him. And he was
0: a young guy. He was only like sixty-five when he got diagnosed or something.
2: Yeah, and died at sixty-seven.
0: My dad got diagnosed at sixty-one and only lasted five years, also. So um, it's
2: weird because you know when you, you know, as as we all get older, you know, I'm fifty-four. I'm closer to you know his age than mm-hmm. I was when I started it. Mm-hmm. And um, you go, it seems so old at the time. It's not. Mm. You know, but at the same time, I think when my father passed away, I think we were lucky to have him. Mm -hmm. I mean, because I really feel like because he was a smoker, you know, for all those years, I think he knew there was always that possibility. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, just his health was not good. Yeah. Yeah. He wasn't a drinker. He wasn't a—he didn't do drugs. His drugs were the smoking.
0: Yeah.
2: uh, Gambling. Okay. uh, Eating. And uh, what else? Uh, smoking, gambling, and eating. And if he could do all of them at once, he would. Yeah. <laughs> oh, coffee, coffee. He could do the coffee as well.
0: Was his diet pretty good or uh, not so much? Oh, his and diet was
2: awful. <laughs> diet was, he's an Italian from Niagara Falls, New York. They don't have vegetables back there.
1: That's right. You, Nothing you know, is green. Was, <laughs> yeah.
2: He was the only Italian that had a, another reputation. He hated tomatoes.
0: Oh,
3: really? But
2: he loved his sauce, but you couldn't have a tomato. if you, God help you if there was a seed in it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Not a big fiber fan, huh? So, anyway. Um, are you still there, Denny? Were you, yeah, yeah. Can oh, you okay. Good, good, good. Yeah. yeah. Um, anyway, so... Um, we'll, we'll, we're going to take a break in a couple, in a minute here, uh, but when we, uh, you know, I'd like to get into your father's background and, and figure out how he got all those great skills as a guitarist because he was more or less a prodigy or emperor, right? So we'll come right back with Denny Tedesco, filmmaker and director of The Wrecking Crew, right after this. Hang on.
1: AM 760 KFMB.
0: All right, we're back with Denny Tedesco. All the uh, intro-outro music tonight, it it was uh, worked on by the Wrecking Crew, all those great studio musicians about which uh, Denny's film uh, relates. And so let's see, Denny.
1: Uh, That was Bobby Day, right? Yeah. Okay, gotcha.
0: And I think uh, I think Michael Jackson did it at one point too, right? So, <laughs> hey, uh, let me add, now. Your let's start with get back with your dad. I, born in uh, New York, you said. Where did he get the great guitar skills? What inspired him, or was he just, uh, you know, an individual prodigy? Oh work? no, no,
2: he was. He he described. It's funny because he described. Well, first of all, his he was born in Niagara Falls, New York.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: You know, and. His uh, his guitar teacher said he was the worst student he ever had. <laughs> well, I mean, it's the truth. I mean, my father. You know, he described guitar players in his book when he came up with a book. He described you know the different guitar players. Guitar player number um, one is the guitar player that, or any kind of musician that can just naturally talented can pick up an instrument and just you know figure it out very quickly and has that natural talent Mm -hmm. uh... guitar player number two is the one that has some talent but needs to really work at it and really you know really work at it and Mm -hmm. he was number two Mm -hmm. number three is the guitar player that wants to be touched by the magic wand Mm. (laughs) and you know and those are that was where i fell into i was i was number three where you just don't practice you just hope something will happen He said, "You know what?" He said, "He said you get lucky at golf. You don't get lucky playing an instrument."
0: But now he played twenty-seven-stringed instruments, correct? I mean,
2: probably. If he he, he basically because he was in the studios,
0: mm-hmm.
3: you know,
2: he would. That was one of his gimmicks because he was a um, you know session player. If you know, he could play balaika, he could play bazooki, he could play the tipple or you know, whatever mandolin. What yeah. You know, and what he would do is put his name in under those instruments in the union book. So if he's doing Love Boat, well, they're going to call Tommy Tedesco before they call the other guy that they don't know the name for. Right. You but, know. But, but so uh, how do you my make my father the, didn't have you know. to be the best Bella Lica player. He had to pretend to be the best.
0: <laughs> so he must have been a good salesman too. <laughs>
2: oh my God, he Great. was. The, he was absolutely the best sales if you <laughs> guys if you saw what he did i think he enjoyed that more than anything at the end of his life
3: oh, there was God. a great
2: story about Lalo Schiffer the great composer from uh, Argentina uh-huh and he's and the guy says uh it was a flamingo thing and if you knew what my father was really amazing with the classical guitar in terms of flamingo and gut strings type of type of thing uh-huh. he had such beautiful sensitivity to the instrument but he said, hey, Tommy, we got the Flamingo thing here. Um, and my father said, well, Lalo, do you want uh, this? And he played what he plays. Or do you want the De Concenzo style? And he played and we'd be slapping the body of the guitar. And the guys in Lalo said, give me the De Concenzo style. And then he would turn around and tell us, to tell the students, he says, "Dika Chenzo's a bricklayer in Niagara Falls, New York. He doesn't play guitar. <laughs> yeah. But all of a sudden, he became the expert.
0: Oh, my gosh.
2: I mean, it was, it, the things these guys would do just to ball, but, oh, yeah, I shouldn't say it's that. It's okay. <laughs> but, you know, they bust each other's chops yeah. uh, at work. <laughs> they had more fun doing that, I think, than anything.
0: And there was one woman amongst all these, like, 20 musicians, including Glenn Campbell, but it was Carol Kay, the bassist, right? Yeah, and and uh, so she must have been a real pistol to hang out with these well, guys. Yeah, she
2: must have been. I mean, to be able to <laughs> hang with these guys, I mean, all of them. I mean, I'm sure she uh, she got harassed, but I know she stood her own. Yeah,
1: how did your dad make his way
0: out to the West Coast? That's a, that's what I was going to ask. Yeah, how did he wind up going from how did up New here? York to the? You know,
2: oh well, what happened was when he was in Niagara Falls, New York. This great stories. He went uh, to a dance at Niagara University. It was like a, you know, whatever dance. Mm-hmm. And um, there was a big band there that was going through, and they and one of his friends found out that the guitar player was leaving. So he he said, hey, I got a friend that plays guitar. So he introduced my dad at the end of the night, and they tried out. And the next day, he went on the road with them. They went through New York. They went through, and they came out to Hollywood. They did the Hoagy Carmichael show. And when they got to Dallas, the big band fired my father and the lead singer because they they could find someone that could do both sing and play guitar so basically he was cut you know cut from the band so his pride was so bad you know so strong he didn't want to go back to niagara falls as a loser so he told my mom he says i think there's work in los angeles we should go out out there because he met people that were doing studio work and so I asked my mom recently, I said, Mom, how long was it before you guys moved? I said, was it a year, year and a half? She goes, no, it was three weeks. <laughs> she said, he came home. We sold our furniture that we still owed on from our wedding, <laughs> which is illegal. And we went out. And then he got there. And then the other question I had, this is the best part, though. I said to her, I said, was Dad working a lot, you know, as a musician, you know, at this time period, you know, 1953? you know she goes no 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 she goes absolutely not you know because he worked there was no work there for musicians it was you know a wedding a party that was it (laughs) and she said he was he almost didn't go to that that um that dance that night he didn't want to go because he got a gig with his trio in pennsylvania for a jazz thing and he didn't want to go Huh. So she says, You gotta go because I spent thirty five dollars on this dress <laughs> So you know as a musician he did not wanna go to a dance and but begrudgingly he went and that changed life.
0: Boy. Your mother was the whole key in this whole thing. He doesn't go it to is. that doesn't go to that dance. Nothing happens, right? He's stuck in Honestly, New York another time because tw- it
2: wasn't like he knew what was out there. <laughs> you know, he's just a small you know kid from a small town. Huh. He worked in the chemical factory. He hated it.
0: Yeah. <laughs> It's to New York and the rest is history. Boy, we're talking about the great Tommy Tedesco, folks, in case you had didn't know. And this is Denny Tedesco, his son. And uh, his website is WreckingCrewFilm.com. It is on, on iTunes and Amazon, right? You can see it right now online if you'd like. Or, yeah. you, or you could see it in the theaters. Now it's been picked up by Magnolia, which I guess you, and Mark Cuban owns the the landmark chain, and I think he's got some um, participation in Magnolia. I, I mean, something must have catapulted this. I know you've been working on it for years to get the raise the money to get the rights to uh, and the permissions to. to well,
2: use. you know what happened is, you know, when I started the film when Dad got sick, you know, basically, you know, ninety seven he passed ninety eight. We had a nice 14-minute little clip, a teaser that we were trying to shop around. Mm-hmm. And but everybody kept saying, "You're not going to be able to get this out there." They said because you're never going to get labels and publishers to agree.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: You know, a to put to come together, and b, it's not going to be affordable. Where someone was going to be, you know, a distributors going to look at, "Hey, it's going to cost us this much for distribution, mm-hmm. or you know, to pay the rights, mm-hmm. and it's gonna, we're only going to make this much." Yeah. So the Royalties there was no way we could that. do it. Yeah. So finally, in 2008, we or 2006, my wife, God bless her, she you know was concerned we made the most expensive home movie ever. <laughs> you know, which we did. We were doing everything you're not supposed to do: the right. credit cards, the refi, doing all that stuff. And uh-huh. you know, we borrowed more money and basically cut the film in 2008. Got into the film festivals, but it was 2008. And it was a disaster, you know, for everything. Yeah. But we were, we had such great reviews. We were, like, you know, standing ovations, and it was like, oh, my God. But the distributors were in the same boat. No one wanted to touch us, mm-hmm. As you know, and you no know, one was picking us up. Yeah. So the only way to do this was, all right, well, it's either – the only way was to basically start doing fundraising and start bringing down – our uh you know the nut you know whatever it nut was at that point, it was fluctuating because we knew how much the music was mm-hmm. you know, so we started bringing it down, and it wasn't the labels and the publishers they weren't the problem, it was just the because they gave us great rates, but it was just the idea of documentaries don't make money, mm-hmm.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: and so that we started doing we had all kinds of ways of making uh donations come in. One of them that started it was from a guy in radio, Greg o- Oganowski.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, he worked for Urban, great, you know, radio product. And he said, "Listen," he said, "You know what? I'm going to why don't you start a dedication chapter on the DVD?" I said, "What do you mean?" He said, "You know how you put names in, in walls at hospitals when you're building on a brick?" Mm-hmm. I said, "Yeah." I'll give you a thousand dollars for the first. For the first dedication, it's up, up, and away. Mm-hmm. What? Oh my God! So that started it, and then we started going. Then they started barnstorming around the country. Money would come in, go to a 501c. I they turn around, give me the money. I turn around, give it to a publisher, give it to a label, and start paying everybody off. Yeah. And I still couldn't release it, but at least I knew I was, you know, doing the donations, and we were able to, you know. Down.
0: Yeah, and I see on the website there's 130 dedications that uh, that were done or, or could potentially be done. But how many total songs would you say they worked on over all those years? Would is there oh any, God. Way to, any way to well, know? Well, I
2: mean, hundreds. as my father said, I made hundreds of bombs, but I made thousands. I know, he said I made hundreds of hits, but, but <laughs> I made thousands of bombs. So, I mean, you know, those guys went to work. The reason they were so good, or well, why they were needed, is because they had to get in and out of the studio in the early days uh-huh. of rock and roll. Yeah. Because the labels didn't trust the bands to play, so they were, ne- they were a necessity to go in there knock out three or four songs and basically... But so, you know, so many knock great it hits. Out and move on.
0: Great hits. I was watching on YouTube and everything. I guess the monkeys. They they totally backed. The, I guess they were doing all the music. The monkeys were just singing, right? They would just come in. and...
2: Yeah, well, I mean, the monkeys. <laughs> you, had, you know, boys and heart doing their stuff, but the monkeys were so much later at that point. You know, yeah. Don't forget, they were all. Pet Sounds, they did all the Pet Sounds album. There
0: you go, Beach Boys. They did all the music for the Beach Boys. They just came in and sang basically, right? I'm... Yeah,
2: I mean, the Beach Boys, in the beginning days, they did their own first albums, and what mm-hmm. Brian was able to do was, he met uh, the guys through either Phil Spector, and, you know, because they were doing Phil's wall of sound, and they also were working with Jan and, Jan, you know, Jan and Dean. So, those guys turned them on to the session players. So when he realized, wait a minute, I don't have to have my brothers and cousins to work <laughs> on this, I think he thought, man, this could be okay. So I think that's what started it. And then, you know, in Al Jardine said, he said, listen, we were, we were on the road for so long, and Brian was staying home. It was easier for Brian to knock this stuff
1: out because it would have taken
2: us weeks to figure it out, learn it.
0: Isn't that something? And uh, what, what, great, what great music it was, my gosh. So,
1: What was the first hit that he worked on, do you know? My Dad? Yeah.
2: Ooh, that's a good question. I mean, it goes back to the 50s. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. I mean,
2: he was doing a lot of jazz stuff. Um, I think the first movie he did was Around the World in 80 Days. Okay.
0: He did, yeah. Um, he did the uh, Bonanza, which we use on this show, right? He did the yeah, opening did Bonanza, opening on notes on Batman, Bonanza, Batman, Green
2: <laughs> Acres, uh, and that. Uh, and the, as he uh, later said, in that awful thing from uh, Three's Company with the wawa, <laughs> do, 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 wow, 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 that thing. But you know what? Hey, pays the rent.
0: Pays the rent that's unbelievable. But got so many great hits. I'm going down this list here. Uh folks, you got to go over to wreckingcrewfilm.com and you can see uh, see a lot of these things. Uh, it's just uh, unreal to think. Hey, even Sinatra, did he do The Strangers in a Night and and yeah. uh wow. That was that was the number yeah, a number one hit. Yeah,
2: Strangers in a Night was a really interesting story. I, we just did an outtake of it recently. Huh. Um, cuz Frank did not Frank didn't like the song at all. <laughs> Nancy told me that. Really? She, and what happened was Dean Martin was getting hits with uh, Jimmy Bowen, the producer.
3: Uh-huh.
2: And he said, you should use this kid, to try to get you something going. So they were obviously, Frank had a reprise, the record company. Uh-huh. So they hired Bowen. Bowen gets his song. He brings in the orchestra. You know, Frank just comes in and not, you know. He comes in, does it a couple times. Yeah. And you know, and that's it. You know, and at the end when Frank is scatting, you know, at the end of the song, do- doobie, doobie, basically do. scatting because he forgot the lyrics. Oh, for God's sake! So at that point,
0: <laughs> the dooby you know, dooby dooby made that up.
2: That's it. Oh, doobie for God's sake! Yeah. <laughs> so now, now, they're going. Well, it's either going to be a hit or it's going to be an oh my God, bomb. <laughs> so he they take a break he goes he leaves Dean Martin comes in to finish the session because now you know they're gonna make sure they get, if they're gonna orchestra they'll let's do somebody else yeah so they knock off so Dean starts he does like three takes and just before the end of the of um the you know the down or what do you call it the end of the date
3: uh huh
2: you know the Dean's session. in the middle of the song and, and um Frank comes in and says Dean let's go we gotta get out of here <laughs> He's <laughs> like, well, the boss says we got to go, got to go. <laughs> so he go.
0: okay. And that was it, huh? So, uh, and I know Hal Blaine, did he also work on That's Life? That's one of my favorite karaoke numbers.
2: I think Earl Palmer did That's Life. Yeah. Did your dad work work
0: on that, by the way, or no? No, I don't think
2: dad worked on that one.
0: Anyway, well, here's a little summer wind, folks. We'll play out to that, and we'll be right back with Denny Tedesco after our break, so stay tuned. The summer wind came blowing in. All right, we're back with... Get your money in your life, Danny Tedesco, the Wrecking Crew. They worked on all these great hits, tons and tons of hits, and you know all the songs. But over to Richard to thank our sponsors.
1: I think it's the first time we ever played the Beach Boys on this show. <laughs> I met Al Jardine's horses once, not Al Jardine, but his horses. It's a long story, so I won't go into it. Big thank you to our sponsors. It was in uh, Big Sur, by the way. UBS, Michael Carrancha, and Drew Freitas. Couldn't do it without them. UBS has been... A huge help to us for the entire length of our show. They were our first sponsor ever, tactically speaking. Our two favorite CPAs on the planet, Plato Epic CPAs up in San Marcos in the brand, brand spanking new office, getting through tax season with aplomb as always. And then Jason Kruger, CPA with Signature Analytics, the best CFO company here on the West Coast. Carl Sheeler with Berkeley Research Group, business valuation firm, the best on the planet helping business owners improve the values of their businesses. Speaking of making money, Joel Gruskin with cost segregation initiatives, helping real estate owners improve their cash flow. Brenda Geiger, Geiger Law Office, Estate Planning and Asset Protection. She's got a big event coming up on May 14th. More about that later. Lane Elliott, VP with California Republic Bank, specializing in the banking needs of wealthy families, family offices, privately held companies, and real estate owners. Hub International, also known as Mars Maddox Insurance. Employee benefits experts, Neil Staley, was a recent guest on the show. It was a great show. We actually made the Healthcare Reform Act interesting. Try that. We did it. Stop Financial Elder Abuse Alliance and Paul Hines with Hearthstone Wealth Advisory. Again, Stop Financial Elder Abuse Alliance. The Lombardi group and the LG experience helping wealth advisors make heroes out of CPAs and helping CPAs to make heroes out of the very I mean, helping CPAs be heroes to their very best clients. Last but not least, check out cldclassic.com. We have women's professional tennis coming back to Carlsbad. During Thanksgiving week, I don't have enough to do with my Oceanside Turkey trot that week. So women's professional tennis coming back to Carlsbad this Thanksgiving week of 2015. CLD Classic com And, Joe, how can people find out more about our amazing roster all sponsors? To,
0: all they have to do is get over to uh, iYMoney.com on their computer, get over to the Sponsors tab, and there's a drop-down menu. You can find all their information right there. And Richard's been working with them for many, many years with great success. Correct, Richard? Uh, that is correct. All right. Hey, I know we've got Denny in New York, and thanks for your patience there, Denny. Uh, I see on Rotten Tomatoes you got a 90%. That is pretty f- pretty amazing. <laughs> Did you know about that?
2: I, you know, you just told me now. Thank you. <laughs> hey, Denny, Danny,
0: did
1: your dad ever take you to work?
2: He, the, oh, no, very seldom. And I asked my mom that. I asked when I asked her recently. I said, "Did Dad ever take you to those Peggy Lee sessions?" <laughs> she said, "No." Dad always said he doesn't. A uh, plumber doesn't take his wife to work. <laughs> <laughs> you know. But the, the first session I remember as a kid was Green Acres. the only reason is we were leaving town and we must have taken dad to work to let him do his work and then we'd leave from there and the reason I remember it so well is because it was like five or six and I remember seeing Vic Mizzy the conductor you know composer you know conducting and that to me I had no idea what this grown man was throwing his arms around (laughs) for you know so you imagine that and then but later when I you know I never got to see any of the rock dates at Uh all and um, later, when you know he would take us maybe on Presidents Day or something when we were off of school, maybe go see, you know, a TV show like Chips or something mm-hmm. like that. But mm-hmm. but that was boring as hell. For a good, you <laughs> so, know, it's all those cues. So
1: yeah. Green
0: Anchor's the theme song, dun 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 dun. That's I
1: definitely. actually know the lyrics to that song, but I'm going to spare our listeners. Yeah, yeah, Rich, we only have a, we don't have that much time. <laughs> but I do. It's true, I do. <laughs>
0: Now the film. Uh, now I saw and I met your mom. Is she still with us? By the way, You're yeah,
2: mom's still with great. us. I, she's in the film.
0: Yeah, I met her when. Like, uh, I don't know if you came down to the San Diego film. No, was my it? brother did. Yeah, that's who I thought.
2: Yeah, your brother. Yeah.
0: Um, that was Damon, was it? Yeah. Okay. Very good. Anyway, your mother was very moved by the audience reaction, and I, I think that's probably what kept you sustained through all this. But, um. Th- has the film, from what I saw to what we're going to see here in, at the Cannes Cinema, um, has it been ch- gone through some kind of changes and edits uh, since then, or?
2: Yeah, we. Um, uh, what do you call it? We, and we're fortunate. We, with the money we raised over the years, we uh, we were able to finally actually put uh, Leon Russell into the cut. We ah. were able to film Leon, and I found some other footage of the guys in the studio with Brian. Wilson, and, and some other footage I found with uh, um, Mamas and Papas, and then there was, uh we what else, Al Jardine's in it now, Peter Tork's in it now. Isn't that great? Wow. So it, it's been an amazing little journey. And,
0: and graphics have been, an, uh, I guess, upgraded and everything, right? Yeah. All
2: that stuff. Yeah, 5-1 uh,
1: mix. So, so did, did your dad have a favorite artist or artists to work with? he had
2: different reasons like frank sinatra if you know frank being an italian kid Mm -hmm. from new york was like frank you Mm -hmm. know you don't all you have to say is you know and and frank was like the god to these guys you know i mean don't forget these artists when they're when my dad's in in 1960 he's 30 years old (laughs) you know i mean so he's kind of you know these kids are coming in they're okay but they're not you know Nothing's really blowing them away at that point. Brian Wilson, maybe,
3: uh-huh. you know, a
2: little at the beginning. Yeah. Um, but when you're talking about Frank Sinatra or you're working with a Nat King Cole, that's when you guys, that's yeah. when they really got excited. Elvis, you got excited because Elvis always uh, catered. <laughs> so
0: Is
3: that
2: right? He was more into the food, my they, father, I think. And they worked with the all music.
0: the the Beatles individually, right? Uh, they did some stuff with them.
2: Well, uh, Hal worked with John Lennon. Mm-hmm. And uh, Jim Horn, the horn player, he worked with all of them. Mm-hmm. Everybody would, My father never got to work with any of them, which uh-huh. is unfortunate for me uh-huh. to have bragging rights. Yeah. <laughs> but uh,
0: but some of the stories, Hal Blaine said, uh, when Sinatra was doing a session, he'd have all the musicians come in for just three hours and run through everything. Then yeah. they, then they would take an hour and go through the entire studio. And make sure there was not one loose screw and no creaking, no bad wiring, nothing. They would go and be meticulous about that. Yeah, they would.
2: I mean, you didn't, you know, by then, you know, you didn't mess around because you know yeah. what? God help us if you're going to blow it. And Frank's the one you were going to blow it for. Yeah.
0: So then he would come back in and then in three more hours and knock it out, right? And that's pretty yeah. much it. But Leon Russell, some funny stories about him. His little, This little, uh, I guess, country bumpkin from uh, Oklahoma or wherever. And he came to L.A. didn't even have a telephone, they said. They couldn't even get him, So he would just come and hang around the studios, right, to get...
2: <laughs> yeah, you know, it's so funny because then I brought that up to uh, Leon. And Leon said and had some choice words about that. <laughs> Leon was awesome. Uh-huh. Leon was... When I got to interview Leon, because he didn't want to do the project. He uh-huh. didn't want to do it for years. Uh-huh. And it was his, his guitar player that finally said, Leon, you should really be interviewed. Yeah. You know, he's a big part of this. And, yeah. You know, people don't realize Leon was, you know, and I remember asking Leon, were you ever bored? He says, oh, God, yes. <laughs> you know, he said, you know, we're, I'm, we're doing the tracks. We're doing 10 times running through these tracks. There's no vocals at this point. Uh-huh. By then he's re- he's basically writing his own lyrics to the to these songs. I
0: guess he showed up late for one session and oh, that one, uh, yeah. got, he got chewed out, and he just uh, picked up and left. <laughs> just, well,
2: that one. And then there was the other session there. <laughs> yeah. and He basically stood up and yeah, said the bad word. Order. Yeah. Phil's, Phil's <laughs> dating. Well,
0: yeah, we'll talk about that during the break. But we'll come yeah. right back with Danny Tedesco. The great film took him 20 years to make. The Wrecking Crew. You got to see it. We we'll right back. Hang on.
1: AM 760 KFMB. (laughs) (laughs) All right. (laughs) (laughs) Green Acres. (laughs) All right, and that was that was Age of Aquarius by the Fifth Dimension leading out. Do, do you remember hearing that when you were five years old, or not?
0: Only on TV. Only on TV. Okay. Hey,
1: my well, mother used to be my mom. Dolores is listening to the show. She used to be Brian Wilson's nurse, but we can't repeat any stories.
0: <laughs> wow. So. We'll talk off the air about exactly. that too, Richard. So, but anyway. Um, did Herb Alpert help? Because I know uh, uh, he was—he was a big supporter of the film. Did he help in any way?
2: Yeah, very much so. he—he ah. and, he and Jerry Moss, and there was mm-hmm. there were in the end we had uh, four. I, we call them executive producers, mm-hmm. which we had different levels on our donations. This is how we did it. Mm-hmm. When we started donations, anything on a hundred dollars was a groupie. Anything over a hundred dollars, like a hundred to two hundred, was a roadie. And we kept <laughs> finding ways of coming up. <laughs> And then we got to the point where executive producer, all uh, right, fifty thousand dollars. And went, oh my God! And four people helped us in the end to get us over that hump. And that was Jerry Moss gave fifty, Herb gave fifty, a guy named Cliff Bernstein who was a manager. Mm-hmm. God bless him. He he saw the film in New York, mm-hmm. and he he was amazing. Mm-hmm. And I didn't even get to meet him. And then hmm. the other guy was a guy named Dennis Joyce, another lover of the film. And I mean, it, it's even though they all donated huge chunks of money, it wasn't just them. It was everybody that did five dollars, ten dollars. It all adds up. Yeah,
0: yeah. And And
2: even if you didn't donate, it was telling people, which worked.
0: Yeah, word of mouth. Of course, the yeah, word of mouth. Herb Alpert, I'm sure you know, he's got a lot. Of, he still has a big influence in the industry, isn't he? Um,
2: Well, you know what? He's doing his own thing now. He's on the road with his wife, Lonnie, doing jazz. Is
0: that right?
2: And doing it because he loves to do it. It's not like he needs the money. You know what I mean?
0: Well, guess who's playing the sports arena here in a few uh, weeks or months? I guess it's Neil Diamond, for gosh. Yeah, there you Neil go. Diamond. <laughs> He's got to be pushing 75 or 80, right? How old is he now? He's got
2: But they did all his work too. Cracklin' Rose, one of them. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Den-
1: Denny, did your, um, did your father have a favorite kind of music? I'm sorry? Did your father have a favorite kind or style of music?
2: You know what? It, that's a good question. My dad, if he wanted to be remembered for anything, this is what I always tell because I remember him talking about this in, a rev- in an interview once. He said, listen, anybody could have done the Batman or the Rock <laughs> Rock stuff, you know, all that stuff, the Green Acres. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of guys that could have done that in, in, when he was around. He said, but I want to be remembered for my movie work. Mm-hmm. Uh, he said, when, when he got to the point in the 80s, when in 70s and 80s, when John Williams and James Warner are writing scores that are guitar- driven and they know they're writing for tommy tedesco Mm. and they're telling them put the first two weeks in this month off because i need you for this that's when you know you've made it because they're not writing for a guitar player they're writing for you
0: so let's list some of those movies which ones are which ones come to mind for you
2: well i mean like the river by john williams was a phenomenal piece Mm. there's another one called Conrack. Mm. And James Horner did um, one of the most beautiful pieces, and we played it at his funeral. Was uh, from Field of Dreams. Mm. You know, it was from the CD. It never made it to the film, but James, it was a theme that never made it to the film.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: But they, you know, they put something pop in there. But in the end, they, he always kept it. Uh, James kept it on the CD, mm. and it's a gorgeous piece with my father playing, and you know. He had that touch of the gut string, you know, that classical guitar that no one, you know, yeah. no one could touch him at the time.
0: How About Henry Mancini, ever do anything? Must have. He said. loved Henry. Yeah, must have. Done I mean, since.
2: loved Henry. You know, like movies like Ten. You know, so again. Did, did
1: he where do he Pink
2: was, Panther? Uh, I, he, I don't know if he did Pink Panther. I know uh, Bob Bain was the main guitar player okay. at the time. Yeah.
0: But what other Mancini ones uh, come to mind? Did, you said oh, 10. Oh,
2: You know, off the top 10. of my head, I just remember 10 because he had a lot to play on that. Yeah. But he worked with him for years because, you know, the jazz stuff.
3: hmm
2: You know, and again, I, there's a great story about, to go back to Henry Mancini, um, Dad and my grandfather, you know, from Niagara Falls, New York, probably in the 70s, maybe in the 60s, walking through Hollywood, and he sees Henry Mancini, and they come up, and you know my dad and Henry are friends,
3: mm-hmm.
2: so my father says, "Dad, this is Henry Mancini, and you know, it's my father, and my grandfather, you know from Niagara Falls New York, he says, hey, "Are you any relation to the Mancinis <laughs> <the 33rd> on street? <laughs> He was <laughs> you know, just like a real Italian from, the, from
0: They must from have the had beach. a good laugh on that one, huh?
2: Oh my father, <laughs> my father and Henry laughed for years on that one.
0: Yeah,
2: because they all know each other. You got to know each other, I guess.
0: But man, I'm looking at this list of dedication songs. I mean, fo that you know, I get around the Beach Boys. Uh, I mean, everything. I got you, babe. I mean, it goes on and on. All these great songs we grew up with. It's uh, just
2: uh, unreal. You know, I'm going to share one more story that I'm very proud of. Please. It has nothing to do with the film. Please. But it's my marketing skills got to the better of me. Mm -hmm. When we were doing the dedications, you could see all those dedications, all those people that dedicated beautiful songs to their loved ones.
3: Mm -hmm.
2: The one song that was left, one of the songs left over was Gary Lewis and the Playboys. (laughs) And it was... Um, everybody loves a clown. Now everybody, you know, now yeah. you can imagine not many people are going to jump. I remember on this that diamond one.
0: ring. I remember that one. But I, right. I love the clown was kind of like a bubble gummy thing, right?
2: Right. You well, know. everybody loves a clown. So I thought, who who's going to dedicate a thousand dollars to that one? <laughs> so I got a, I made started making phone calls and I called the clown school. And I said, "Listen, <laughs> here's my pitch." <laughs> <laughs> and i got a clown school that donated $1000 oh my him.
0: gosh <laughs> you need an <laughs> you, you get an oscar just for that my God. <laughs> I,
2: I, you know how my father was the bser of all that other <laughs> stuff i'm proud to say I, I took after him i don't think too
0: many clown schools got an extra 1000 lying around but that's unbelievable congratulations
2: hey, the la clown school is my favorite clown school that's <laughs> all i can tell you <laughs>
0: Maybe I go. Maybe I do some graduate work up there. Huh, there's a lot of clowns in LA. I know that. <laughs> Damn right, there's a lot of us out there. Anyway, uh, we're in our last minute here. There, Denny. Uh, any final closing thoughts you want to tell us? I know the. You know,
2: I just yeah. I, if you can't see it in the theater, I totally understand. But tell people and go ch- check it out on on you know on I, video I, on demand. We want to. You know, as I was saying to you earlier, thank God Magnolia came, to, you know, in the end. We paid everything off. Magnolia jumped in. You know, I'm just so glad because these stories like this and 20 Feet to Stardom and, yeah. you know, Muscle Souls, these stories need to be told. And well, I'm just like I said, I'm lucky that I well, was Well, you're going to become a
0: national... Uh, um presence now and and go around and talking about all this stuff because you've got a whole life of uh, material now, so good for you. Denny, thanks so much for being our guest. The the
1: words of Fifth Dimension, up, up, and away. Up and away. Uh, That's one of my dad's favorites. Wonderful.
0: WreckingCrewFilm.com. Get to the theater, see it online, and make sure you don't miss it. Anyway, thanks, Richard. Good seeing you. Eric Bacava, our sound engineer. Thanks for making a sound great. Thanks to Craig Blank, your con executive, and to Dave Sniff, our programming genius. IowaMoney.com For all these podcasts, see you next week. Good night now.
1: The AM. AM 760. Hi, here's your delivery from staples.com. Thanks, Staples guy. Ugh, do you have stuff to clean this disaster of a break room? Sure, Staples has wipes, paper towels, sprays, sponges, all at a low price. How about these floors? Disinfecting cleaners, mops, bucket with side press ringers, and yellow wet floor signs anyone know how long it takes to reheat Cod? We also have air fresheners. I'll take a case of those. Make on budget happen, make cleaning up happen. Staples, make more happen. Now at Staples, get Scott 12-pack paper towels for just $7.99. Offer valid on SKU 300469, in-store and online, and 328, while supplies last see. Store staples.com for details.
2: Celebrate life's unforgettable moments with Pandora charms and bracelets from Jared the Galleria of Jewelry. For a limited time only, with any $100
3: Pandora purchase, you'll receive